anyone interested in RC airplanes. We'll share tips and tricks on how to build models and talk about successful flights, epic crashes, and everything in between. Visit us at rcplanelab.com to sign up for our email list and to ask us questions. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now here are your hosts, Ron and Tom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. This week, we're going to kind of take it easy, since I think our last episode was uh, um, a little more in-depth. So let's let's kind of have fun with this one. Just Certainly talk. more serious. Yeah. Well, let's have some fun with this one, just kind of talk about some things that we've been up to lately. Okay. Um, it was actually kind of nice. We spent all day together uh, today working on airplanes, and um, I met one of your old friends, and we'll yeah. talk about that a little bit later in the show. Cool. Um, because I... I I love the stories you get from people. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about it before, kind of what brings you back to the hobby. But knowing different people, and I, I'm normally not a people person. Like, right. really, I'm not. Yeah. Um, I have a small circle as well. But when you get, like, when you have that common interest and you can actually talk to somebody about something, um, it's always interesting hearing their life story, hearing what they did, you know, the, the things that they kind of took away from the hobby. But we'll, we'll circle back to that in a little bit. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is this Telemaster. So we've, <laughs> we've got it together. We've flown it uh, a few times. But it I has think three flights post-trash can. Post-trash can flights. Um, so it's been fun. I still have not got to fly it. <laughs> I think there's uh, there's something... Uh, I, I don't understand. The RC gods do not want you behind the sticks. <laughs> it seems like it. So, you know, <clears throat> I'm not the nitro guy. Tom is the nitro guy. Um, I feel like he kind of lied to me with this airplane <laughs> because, I, you know, we, we decided to rebuild it, and I kind of took it on because we talked about making it into a gas airplane. Uh, yes. Gasoline powered, which it was did. the original plan, was that to use that gasoline engine, and we followed that plan. But it uh, was a gas-powered airplane briefly. <laughs> Never flew that way. No, um, you taxied it around that way. I did a little <clears> bit, <throat> but the problem was so, you know, like I said, we had a bunch of feedback from the uh, from the uh, from the ignition. Right. Uh, <clears throat> instead of sorting that out, which I kind of think we probably should have, maybe. Yeah. Um, we decided to simply switch it over to nitro. I, I, it has been probably four years since I've flown anything nitro because I know I have not flown anything or taken anything to the field uh, that was nitro powered since before my daughter was born. Yeah. And that's kind of how I judge things now, like pre Piper <laughs> and post Piper, yep. because, you know, everything else is a blur. Yes. But understood. So we, we <clears throat> took this out to the field uh, with the second engine that was on it. Um, Super Tiger 75. Oh, thank you, because I have no clue. So anyway, we we uh, we got it out there, and Tom brought everything, you know, to, to fly it. He provided the fuel, he provided the tools, all that kind of stuff. So I didn't pay much attention, I guess, to what you're supposed to use for, for nitro, and I, I completely forgot. So anyway, so we, we flew it the first time. Uh, by we, I mean I watched and <laughs> cheered in the background. Uh, it was very underpowered. It was. Um and it was underpropped. And underpropped. Yeah. But so fine. It, it flew and it, it did okay, but I wasn't comfortable flying it when mm-hmm. it was, I mean, it was full throttle and it looked like it was just barely lumbering around. Yeah. So flew decided. Flew like a telemaster flies. 
well, okay. <clears throat> it it seemed very heavy. It's because we're so used to overpowering all of our airplanes these days because it's so easy to, you know, engines make so much power today than they did, you know, back in the 80s. <clears throat> so that Telemaster, you know, when it had the 75 on it, now granted it was it was anemic, okay? It wasn't making, <laughs> for some reason, whatever that issue is with that engine, I'll deal with it, you know, someday. But it wasn't making the power it should, Pro probably more than likely because I had the wrong prop on it. But um, they generally, Telemasters and planes of that era, that design, that's how they flew. Uh, just slow and they look like they're just lumbering along because they are and that's how they were designed that's why how they were designed to fly yeah it looked like it was about <clears throat> ready to fall out of the air yeah. i mean that it that's you know that's that's what i saw yeah um so anyway like i said underpowered we decided to go out the next weekend uh which was last weekend mm -hmm. and flew it again with a uh well basically it was a thunder tiger uh 90 so a little bit bigger motor. Chinese copy of the Thunder Tiger TSK, I believe, is the <laughs> initials <laughs> on the side of it. But the knockoff version. Yeah, but it had plenty of power. It did have plenty of power, and I was uh, for two flights. I was excited to see how well it flew, and I, you know, I was ready to get behind the sticks and actually yeah. take it up. Yeah. Um, decided to play around a little bit with the flaps, mm -hmm. and uh, we put spoilers on it too because we weren't quite sure how uh, how floaty it was going to be. Fun with the flaps, by the way. I, so I saw, but didn't get to <laughs> didn't get to to experience that. Well, hopefully this weekend. So, never have you seen. Apparently, this happened before. You said no. So you were flying never. it the last time. You were going to fly it around a couple times, then you were going to land, and I was going to take off with it. Yep. As soon as you got up and got to uh, cruising altitude, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, what happened? Uh, the engine just stopped. It was running fine at about I don't know. It was probably half, not even half throttle, and the engine just. Just quit running. There was like a, a loud pop. It wasn't just slight noise. Yeah. Just nothing. Almost like it hit that. something almost is what it's kind of sounded like. In it, fact, I think that was the comment you made. Did you hit something? Yeah. And then there were no pieces flying. You know, I didn't see anything, you know, like from an impact or anything like that. So. Yeah. But yeah, the, the engine just quit. So So you were. Uh, we were done flying at that point. You brought it down, landed it in, in one piece. Yeah. You, uh, yeah, you brought it back, landed it in one piece and Used stuff. Used the flaps on the landing. Which was a nice, nice, nice landing. It was uh, actually more, uh, a smoother landing than <clears throat> most of the people I see flying out of that field <laughs> with power. Unfortunately, I did, I did have to get it, you know, pretty far away from us. It was low enough. I didn't want to risk a, a turn to final and then, you know, try to land upwind closer to us. So I just landed down the runway. We had a quite, Quite a nice walk in ahead of us. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Um, I didn't get winded, so it couldn't have been well, too good. far. <laughs> so, but anyway, so you took it apart and you found something that you yeah. said you have never seen happen. Never before. seen this before. So the the crankshaft, the pin that protrudes off the back of the crankshaft uh, that engages the connecting rod, uh, actually sheared right off. In fact, the pin is still in the connecting rod. But the pin is no longer a part of the crankshaft, which it, it's it's weird to look at because you can tell in the uh, when we were looking at it, you could tell that there was a void yeah, in there. It definitely was not a, a definitely a casting flaw in the crankshaft. Yeah, there was not an actual like 
full solid piece yeah. uh, that was coming off the end of the crankshaft, yeah. and that that's disappointing because really that uh, that motor flew it pretty well. It did. Um, yeah. For some reason, though, this plane, you know, when I when I looked it up online, it says that the flying weight should be around nine ish pounds. Uh, Very optimistic. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, because. Yeah. It went, because when I when I weighed it, it was a little over twelve pounds, mm-hmm. and that seems she's a heavy girl, pretty heavy, yeah. Um, and I don't, I mean, we haven't <clears> done <throat> anything really to it no, to we really add haven't. weight. It's it's pretty much. So this was the ARF version, right? Yeah, <clears throat> built by the factory, right? And we we haven't we haven't really done anything, added anything to the airframe. No. In fact, if anything, we probably have lightened it because we stripped off the old covering, which was solar film, I think, um, and covered it with Monaco, which is actually a little bit lighter per yard than solar film is. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's just, I think, an optimistic uh, representation by the company. You think so? <laughs> I think so. Maybe I mean like when the when the kit was built, would it have been like fully sheeted fuselage like that or would it have been just like the uh angled like quarter inch balsa or whatever? Oh the kit? Yeah. Uh I think the kit, if I recall, I think the kit had slab sides like this one. Oh. Yeah. Well that Solid doesn't help balsa. much either. Mm-mm. But I know we did add just a little bit of weight. Um, because we, we changed the, uh, the mounting, uh, for the wing panels. So we did add a couple of pieces of plywood on the inside of that. Yeah, but not a pound and a half. No, worth. absolutely not. <laughs> um, so, and that did extend. For two and a half pounds worth. Yeah. And then, and then that did extend the, uh, the wingspan up by about an inch, uh, because I think we used half inch, uh, Oh, plywood. that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. But that's not that's, that much. But yeah. Not, not to account for that much difference. So, but yeah, never uh, in all my years, I've never seen a crank pin break off the crankshaft like that. Yeah, that, that was, was a first for me. That was, in fact, I think when it happened, I think the first comment out of my mouth was, uh, "That sounds like connecting rod." Yeah, and of course, the first thing I went to was uh, uh, the clevis on the uh, throttle servo, which it, it, it didn't make any sense. I think my brain went into stupid again. <laughs> Because of the way it stopped, but and the only reason I I went to that is because when we, uh, you know, we changed that motor over, mm-hmm. and I hadn't like fixed the uh, the throttle servo. I hadn't done that before we got out to the field, and when I got out to the field, I did that. You know, I adjusted it by moving that pin, the clevis yeah, farther out. I know what you mean on yep. the threaded rod. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the only thing I had changed. Of course, I'm like, oh, what did I do yeah. that messed it up? But yeah, I was glad to know it wasn't anything no, I did. No, wasn't, it wasn't you. It was a casting. I, I'm convinced that it was a casting flaw because there's a void yeah. right there where that thing broke off. Which, which you is, can actually see it in the in what's left of the pin. Yeah, which is too bad. Um, but there's a new motor on it now. What is it? Well, it's not new. Well, it's new on new there. new to the airplane. Sure. Uh, it's an ASP. 91. Uh, so it should run, hopefully, as good as the other one, or at least make as much power, maybe more. Uh, this is a little bit, I mean, even though it's an ASP, it's still Chinese, I think Chinese, um, but it's a little bit better quality than whatever that knockoff was that uh, that was on it. Feels like it has good compression. It does. So yeah. it should yeah. run pretty, it pretty should, good. It should run pretty good. Um, I noticed, like, 
it, it's nice too because that motor that was on it before, the one that broke, had the pits muffler on it, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't loud, yeah, so nice it wasn't quiet. like uh, it, there was no reason, I guess, to have a pits muffler on it because of that. You know, you usually get that different sound mm-hmm. with the pits muffler than you yep. do with the, the stock ones. But I absolutely didn't like the fact that it just blew all that exhaust, <laughs> like literally all over the whole plane. Yeah. I mean, there was no way to take that out. Right. Uh, Unfortunately, that, that was the only muffler I had for that motor. Yeah. Well, so beggars can't be choosers. So, well, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm okay but this with one, that. This one, hopefully, knock on wood, um, <laughs> hopefully this one will will last a bit longer. Yeah. At least uh, At least one flight with you at the stakes hopefully right that's my hope but we'll get out there this weekend and, and we'll see how it goes hopefully we'll have some pictures to post on uh what i guess we're doing what facebook now and then there's a uh in, in instagram instagram is that... yeah my wife is handling that for us yeah um, i don't so know any of that i don't either kind of stuff yeah. i have a facebook account but if you guys are out there on facebook yeah we're on facebook too so yeah feel free to cruise by and drop us a post I don't know. Is that what you do? I think so. I, I guess. Know. Yeah, whatever. I think you like our page or something. Oh, maybe that's or it. Or like our, po- like our. Well, yeah. I think you can, I think as a visitor, I think you can post. Oh, can you? I think so. Oh. Unless, I, I don't know. My wife is handling that as well, so. <laughs> we should have maybe your wife I'll... on yeah, to yeah, explain to should. us what that means. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, technology. she's not here now. Uh, and right. Instagram, I have no clue. No, uh, I don't know what, what that, that is. is. I mean, honestly. I know what it is, but I don't know how that works. <laughs> oh and my. I have no desire to, to learn it. Yeah. I'm old and I'm crusty. Yeah, I, I feel it. like I'm your age now. Right. I mean, like, I understand it's not what bad, it's like. right? It's kind of fun. <laughs> I can be cranky with <laughs> just people and just be like, I'm old, leave me alone. care about anything. <laughs> well, well, I don't know if I go that yet. far. <laughs> <clears throat> right. Uh, so. so, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty um, eventful trip to the field. Yeah. Uh, and that was the other thing I was going to say, which was kind of funny. So that second time, um, you know, I didn't have any fuel. So we ran uh, to the closest hobby shop, which unfortunately is an hour away. Yeah. Uh, so we made a trip there. I bought some fuel and stuff. And um, so I, I brought that out to the field fully thinking, like I, I could not find my uh, fuel pump. I have no clue where it went. But I figured, you know what? Tom's coming out. He always brings a nitro something, <laughs> something with him. So I'll I'll use his. Yeah. Get out to the field. You didn't bring any nitro. Nothing stuff. nitro, and so, that is that is uh, very unusual. And for me. we completely switched roles. I know. I didn't bring anything electric. You didn't bring anything nitro, and it was yeah. the weirdest thing ever. Everything I had in the back of the car was electric, and I had. No way <laughs> of doing anything with this airplane. Neither did you because you didn't bring your stuff. So, bring my, yeah, box. luckily, one of our friends was out there and yep. he was good enough thanks, to lend Bob. us. Yeah, thanks, Bob. He was good enough to lend us a, uh, a fuel pump mm-hmm. and he actually gave us some of the fuel so we didn't have to open my gallon. Um, so, he let us fuel that up a couple times and I didn't have a, a glow plug igniter either. So, yep. and not only that, <laughs> <laughs> the glow plug that was in the motor was, was no uh, toast. We didn't check it before we went out there. Yeah. and uh, We need to check that one. We Yeah, that's true. Uh, but anyway, so he had a glow plug with him also, which was very nice to have our own little hobby, you know, hobby supply shop yeah. uh, waiting for us out yeah. there. So, so again, thanks, Bob. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so this time before we go, definitely I will uh, make a, a little checklist for nitro stuff because... I don't remember nitro all that much. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it yeah. goes. 
Yeah, that's why I keep my flight box the way I have it. It's heavy, but it has everything in there I could possibly need. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll probably have to re redo mine um, because it it's been uh, ransacked, I guess, over the years because I never took it out to the field with me. Right. Because most of the stuff I would fly was electric, uh, and a few gas planes. But other than that, it was. I really was trying to get away from the nitro. Um, <laughs> and and then yeah, and then I. Got you back in. Yeah, under the false pretense of we'll make it a gas plane. <laughs> um, and 30 bucks a gallon for nitro fuel. Yeah. That is... Uh, yeah. Well, it, for pre-made, yeah. I mean, we could we could mix our own. Well, and depending, we might end up having to start doing yeah. that because there's not a lot of places around right. that, uh, <laughs> um, yep. that, you, that we can get it anymore. So it, it's just... It's going to be one of those things we're going to have to try and figure that out. But, yep. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we mentioned uh, we mentioned earlier our plan today, actually, was to spend all day together doing mm-hmm. nothing but uh, building airplanes and, and so getting... So much airplane stuff. It, we're right. Get, get everything kind of <laughs> uh, buckled up, I guess, if you will. Right. But uh, it didn't quite go that way, did it? Well, we got sidetracked. For a good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. why, why don't you tell us what, uh, what happened, please? Okay. Well... Lucky for me, uh, I've been in the hobby, you know, long enough to have made, you know, lots of good friends and have worked in a few hobby shops and, uh, you know, I had a lot of great customers over the years. And as they get older, you know, they, they get in and out of the hobby. Well, I got, I was contacted by an old uh, customer of mine. Uh, we'll call him Red, um, because that's his name. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> wow. Good job. <laughs> um, so he contacted me kind of, um, actually, I should rephrase that. Um, he posted a, a for sale ad on Facebook Marketplace, which I'm always on Facebook Marketplace. It's almost like the new Craigslist. Yeah. This and has been a couple weeks ago, it's right? Been, yeah, a couple weeks ago. Uh, had, an, you know, the ad said RC stuff for sale. Well, of course, that piqued uh, my wife's interest who saw it. Thank you. Honey. Which is ironic. Yep. And then she uh, forwarded that ad to me. And then I looked at it and. Made the contact and you know. Well, put the funny two thing two though, together. yeah, you didn't realize at first because no. he posted under his real name, right? And you didn't. I didn't know his real name. It's, right. I mean, he's always kind of what he goes always, by. Yeah, been red. So you didn't know who it was until you actually made the phone call. Well, and until then... I actually saw him, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, because it was all done through Facebook Messenger, oh, through text. Or whatever. Or whatever you, I didn't you know realize that. That's funny. So yeah, so arranged the meeting, and lo and behold, it's red, and we're like, oh, hey, you know, and, you know we spent probably. 20 minutes worth of reminiscing and, <laughs> you know, talking about what we'd been up to and everything. Yeah. But anyway, um, he decided that uh, right now hobby was not going to be his focus. Um, so uh, he thought it would probably be best to sell stuff while he still has value, you know, because as time goes on, our RC stuff gets outdated and then it loses its value and then it becomes you know, nearly worthless. Which Depending is funny, on what it is. Which is funny, though, because the stuff he it was selling was more, uh, let, let's say it was more updated or more up-to-date than the stuff I'm flying with now. Well, some of it, yeah. maybe, yeah. The the radio and stuff you bought. Well, right. With. True. Um, fair enough. <laughs> but his in his mind, he had rationalized it as, I have all this stuff. I'm not flying right now. Um, this stuff may not be worth anything when I finally decide to start flying again. I'm going to sell it and, you know, get what I can for it now. So sure. uh, luckily for me, I was in a position where I could help him out and also help myself out, if you will, <laughs> um, by acquiring uh-huh. more stuff that I probably don't need. 
But well, I what mean, is need? I mean, well, it, it makes you happy. So that's true, and, it, you, and you I am that. quite happy yeah. with uh, with what I. I mean, I got some cool, you know, new airplanes. I got a new radio, which you're glowing. I'm pretty excited about. <laughs> yeah, glowing. Really? Glowing, okay. yeah. Maybe it's the light bouncing off your bald head, but yeah, well, that glowing. could be. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, so uh, mostly some electric stuff and a couple of uh, gas or airplanes, and like I said, the the transmitter, transmitter. <laughs> excuse me, not a transmitter. It's a transmitter. But but a couple of bigger airplanes, right. though, right? Like, yeah. what, what'd you get on? There's a, a 50 cc uh, size S Bach. I think it's got an 89 ish. Uh, wing, I think. Yeah. It has a 50cc twin on it, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Um, I've never owned a a twin gasser before, so. I've, oh, really? I've tuned a lot of them. Yeah. You've, um, but you've tuned mine before, but uh, I didn't realize you didn't have one. Nope. Nope. Never have owned a, a twin gasser. Well, so. what's the, what's your other big plane, your other 50cc? Uh, that's got a DA50 on it. It's just a single oh, cylinder. Oh, just a single cylinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. So. Uh-huh. So yeah, some neat stuff with Red. Um, thanks, Red, if you're listening. I appreciate it. Um, hopefully, uh, you know we'll see you back in the hobby soon. And I am going to keep in touch with him uh, and let him know when I'm flying and stuff, so that if he decides he he did hang on to like an electric, uh, I think it's a Carbon Z 152, I think. Oh, a Cessna. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he did keep that and uh, and his older, and I say older. It's newer than my old DX8, but <laughs> DX9 uh, radio of his, yeah. Uh, so that he could fly, and I'm going to keep in contact with him so that you know if he wants to keep flying, I'll try to keep him going. You know, sure. Because misery loves company. <laughs> uh, so yeah, when we were when uh, when I was all done with Red and we'd you know done our deal and you know the the money had exchanged hands out of mine into his, and then I was broke. He mentions, uh, hey. You know, do you remember Jim? Uh, and he, you know, gave me his last name. I was like, well, of course I remember Jim. He was another customer of mine even farther back at a different hobby shop in the early, you know, starting in the early 90s. He said, well, he's, you know, he's getting up there in age and he's retiring and he's moving to Florida. And he doesn't want to take all of his RC stuff with him. It's a shame he's leaving because he would he would make a, a wonderful a guest, if you will, yeah, on the, on the show. That would be like a, a seven-hour episode. Oh, but and yeah, I would you'd enjoy never, every minute. Yeah, of you it. would never get tired of. No. If you're into RC airplanes, this is one of those guys that you you want to talk to. Yeah, almost like uh, a pioneer. Because really, he's done for, it all for the summer. I mean, the the guy has, this guy has done it all. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, Red says, "Yeah, we need to go talk to Jim because he's you know leaving, and he's leaving like this weekend. So this was last weekend." And I'm like, uh, okay, I just gave you all my money. I don't have any <laughs> left, but okay, I'll go talk to Jim. And I hadn't seen Jim in, in a few years. It's been more than a few years, I guess. Um, but it was good to see him again. So last weekend, uh, I went to his house with, you know, and Red went with me. And so I had never been to Jim's house. <clears throat> this guy has been building model airplanes since... I got to say the 60s, probably. Mm-hmm. Pro- he probably had his first airplane sometime in the 60s. And like when I went to his house the first, you know, the, the first visit last weekend, um, <clears throat> he he was talking about the radios when, when he got in the hobby. Now, I had mentioned this on one of our, our other episodes about the how radios had come, you know, they were AM and then, right. I mean, this, he predate, predates AM radios, right? So he he flew with Escapement, 
and and these other Heathkit type. So single channel, and it was one of these weird things where when to control the airplane, it was almost like a telegraph, if you will, <laughs> minus the wire, right? You hit a button and it would deflect and you'd take your hand off the button and it would go back straight. And that's how you flew, right? Really? It was like one step above free flight. I mean, you had control of one channel and it was on or off. And right? what, what channel and you, usually do you control or did you control? Uh, would to, it be like to, rudder? To be honest, I think it was rudder. Yeah. Um, because judging by the, you know, the, the stories that he was telling us, uh, that it was rudder. Yeah. Because yeah. they would set the, they would, you know, they would run them at wide open, right? These were like Cox. Well, they weren't even, some of them were of larger engines even. Like McCoy made like a 59, I think, a 0.59, which is almost, you know, 60. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would run them at wide open, you know, maybe they'd richen them up to slow them down or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. And they would trim the elevator. And then, yeah, you would basically fly circles, I think. That was it. That was Man. how you, that was our RC, right? Back then. Come a long way. Yeah, so has been this Jim has been building airplanes since then, right? Yeah. So fifty plus years, sixty plus years of yeah, dang, wow, that's a lot of. I mean, that just hit me. Yeah, you know, how much experience this guy had. Um, so leaving the hobby, right? So you can imagine the stuff that uh, Jim had acquired over the years. Just, I mean. From every facet of the hobby, I mean, I mean, he had his he had his things that he focused on, um, especially there in the in the prime, if you will, mm-hmm. years. But uh, just an incredible talent, uh, this guy. Um, just, I mean, I I can't I can't put into words how talented this guy was, and and I was fortunate enough to be his dealer, if you will, you know, (laughs) like back in the day, he would come into the hobby shop where I worked and he would buy the stuff that he needed, you know, maybe not all of it because, you know, mail order was a thing back then. And for those listening who don't know what mail order is, that was Tower Hobbies, you know, that you got a catalog in the mail, you looked at it and said, hey, I want this. And you would send in a form and a check via the mail, or you could call them. And that was how you did your non-hobby shop business back then. Can't imagine. I know. It's crazy. Thank goodness for internet. Right. But uh, but yeah, uh, I was fortunate enough that I was his dealer. So I, I got kind of a an inside look, if you will, on the stuff that he would be building. And I, I mean, I don't know if I would say that I was influenced by him as a builder, but I got to think in, that some of the stuff that I saw him build that he would bring into the shop to, hey, here, here's this thing I'm working on or whatever, had to have somehow influenced you know, some of my mannerisms or techniques or whatever you want to call it when I build an airplane. They had to have, you know. Yeah. And the quality of his builds, incredible. So, I mean, I could, you could, we could have a five-hour-long episode and I could just barely scratch the surface of what, what these this guy has done in the hobby. Um, but I'll touch on the high points. You know, he, uh, a very accomplished builder, um, he worked with a, another friend in the hobby, uh, Roger, who passed away some years ago, and he pretty much built all of Roger's airplanes. And Roger would compete, you know, at you know scale competitions throughout the country with these things that he would that uh, Jim had built for him. Yeah, and he was pretty well known in that circle, right? For for the the quality of his flying and oh yeah, and this guy oh yeah, Roger Roger was a very very talented flyer. Yeah, um, didn't care so much for the building part of it. And that's where Jim came in. And that, you know, of course, 
I'm kind of like the gym in this story, if you will. I'm 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 like the builder. I like to build more than I think I like to fly. Yeah. Um. But you know, he would build these airplanes for Roger, and and they would take them to these competitions, and they would actually place. You know, they would actually, you know, place in the top ten or the top five. Even I think he even has a third place finish somewhere in that. And I mean, we're talking like, you know, the the upper echelon of scale airplanes. When you look at an airplane and you can barely tell that it's a model. I mean, that that's the kind of build quality we're talking about here. And that that's who Jim is. Mm-hmm. So I've, you know, fortunate enough to know him. So I'm at Jim's house and we're, you know, talking all, you know, all these stories and could have spent probably a week, you know, trying to catch up with him. But um, so he's got all this stuff for sale and try to make a, a long story short here. Um, or make a short story long, maybe. Maybe that's what I'm going to do. Because we'll I'm going to talk about another thing here, too, that they, that Jim has done, which is kind of neat that he, you got to actually hear today when we went there. Right. Um, the story of the of the first, you know, turbine-powered A-10 airplanes in the United States. Well, and not to cut you off too much, but the reason, the reason we were sidetracked today is because you got out here bright and early in the oh, morning. Right. Sorry. And then right before, I mean, like literally had coffee ready, all that kind of yep. stuff came and started to work on stuff and as soon as we started to get stuff out yeah. and 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 work you got a text yeah red red had texted me and and the text was pretty simple basically said uh hey jim has an airframe he wants to give you um sooner rather than later because he's you know heading to florida or yeah, he, supposed to he, been last weekend yeah but, he was supposed to be gone already right but yeah, things so, just hadn't quite worked so out i got that text and i'm like oh an airframe from jim um yeah i'm Ron, sorry, uh, I'm, I got to go. You want to go with me and meet this guy? I think you might you might like this. Yeah. So, yeah, we got, got so sidetracked. So that's how we got sidetracked on that. But, yeah, it, it was an interesting conversation. I'll let you go back now. Right. Sorry. So, anyway, yeah, the uh, first eight, you know, turbine-powered A-10 airplanes in the United States. And I forget, it was an English company that had put these, um, I think they may have been short kits even. They weren't full kits. I think they provided... You know the pre some of the pre cut parts and maybe the foam wing cores maybe, uh, whatever it was, <clears throat> twin you know turbine powered A ten and we're talking like this is like a nine. Well, yeah, foot, he said it was nine or big, ten foot wingspan. Yeah, it's a big airplane, huge. Uh, and he built Jim, built the first two of these in the United States, and he built quite a few more after that too. But, um, and so. To be, you know, to be the first of anything is kind of special. But the fact that this company wanted Jim to build these airplanes, you know, right, says something about the guy's, you know, the guy's talent as a builder. Yeah, his ability. So of course I'm gaga. You know, I'm, I'm at the house. You know, last weekend I'm just drooling over everything, and then again today, you know, we're there today. Uh, most of the stuff has already gone. He's, you know, I I wasn't in a position to buy because I was already spent my wad, so to speak, it with uh, red. Um, but, uh, so he, you know, most of the stuff that he had last weekend, uh, went to another club member who's going to handle the, the sale of it. And then they're going to work something out, you know, after the fact. Um, but I was able to go there today and, um, Jim did have an airframe for me. It's a Midwest Aero Sport. Um, and I mean, you saw the. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was. And so it was an airframe in the bones. He had, he had constructed it, did most, he did all the assembly and all the building of it, uh, and then ran out of steam or moved, probably moved on to another project, I guess. So the airframe is in the bones. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's uh it's very well put together. It's yeah. I mean, I was impressed by the quality of it. Nothing nothing like what I have built or or with me my stuff. I mean, so. I I consider myself a fair, maybe a good builder, but this yeah. guy is an excellent excellent. And it's a shame that he's leaving. It really is. Yeah. Um cuz it was nice to reconnect with him uh and it'd be really nice, you know, to spend more time spend with more him. time with him, but yeah. you know, life, you know, life happens and um we got a good story out of it, and yeah, uh, that's true. And <laughs> you know, we have this telemaster that's a uh, that's a, a garbage can plane. Mm-hmm. Well, we ended up with a couple dumpster planes today. A so. couple, of, yeah. We we uh, so the I mean, when I say the guy has sixty years worth of RC stuff accumulated, I'm not I'm not joking. Like, <laughs> yeah, I imagine I'm not... imagine if you will, like the 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 picture perfect RC building space. This guy had it like in spades. He had two two workshops. He had two garages where he kept all most of his stuff that was either built or in process or whatever. And then he had a like a shed on the back of the of the property that also had stuff in it, I think. So when I was there last week, you know, I'm I'm just looking around and just drooling at all the nice organized boxes of hardware and you know the 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 partially built, you know, Bob Violet Maverick, you know, up here on the shelf and the, the ducted fan, the ducted fan stuff. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I had never seen one of those before actually. Oh man. So it's a, it, it's a, a nitro powered like turbine style blade. Right. Um, and they, it, it looked, it looked pretty big, like from what I saw. I, yeah. don't, I don't know what size. It's, it's exactly like an electric ducted fan, except Instead of using an electric motor to turn the fan, you're using a nitro motor. But it's it was bigger oh, than yeah. like a lot oh, of the EDFs big. that I've yeah. seen. Um, I so don't that know what... that fan, if if you want to compare it to rough size, okay. that fan is about a 110 millimeter diameter fan. So you could compare that to a 110 millimeter EDF if you want. But what so like what size motor do they run on that? Uh, that particular one had a 91 in it. So it was a BVM, a Bob Violet Models 91, which was really? an OS that's been modified, I believe, by it BVM. It looks bigger than that. So are those mm-hmm. motors built just for that then? Right. Like yeah. with the cooling fans mm-hmm. be bigger? Yep. Okay, so that's probably what made it look bigger to me then. Yeah, the, head, the... the heads are a little bit bigger for more, you know, because they're, Airflow they're, they're housed in that and, you know, sitting around at idle, they don't move a lot of air. Of course, uh, they idle at like 3,000 RPM because the engines are designed to run at high RPM. I mean, one of these things screaming at 20,000 RPM, you know, <laughs> coming down the runway at, you know, it, it's just a, it's just a wicked, wicked sight. And I, I love ducted fans. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not in favor today because turbines have sort of come down and in, into the reachable range Yeah. where, you know, people can afford, not me, but people can afford them more than, you know, than, and they're, you know, they're jets, you know, a turbine is an actual jet, whereas... A ducted fan, eh, it's kind of a jet. It doesn't you know? sound the same, but but to me they sound awesome because yeah. I'm a nitro guy. Well, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. So, but yeah, the ducted fan stuff, you know, I'm drooling. You know, I'm just wishing, you know, that I I could make it happen. But luckily, you know, it's not in the cards, and he'll either take that with him or he'll make an arrangement with someone else to sell it for him. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably good that it's not in my possession. But that arrow, <laughs> that um, that arrow star is in my possession. I'm very happy to have it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be excited to see that one finished. Yep. That'll be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe you need to build a big A10. Well, the A10s are cool. I do have a small electric one. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's time for a big nitro one. 
a big nitro. And I'm not sure how you would do a nitro. Well, like because what you're talking about really with the, short. But uh, what you're talking about with the, the well, ducted, ducted fans, fans yeah. yeah. They had really, really long tuned pipes to get them to reach those RPMs. So that would have to hang out of the nacelle somehow. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't use just mufflers on those things. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that, that was pretty cool, though. Yeah, that was a was a good visit, and uh, like I said, it's it's a shame that he's leaving the area, but um, I was glad that I got to you know talk to him today and and last weekend. One of the things that I it, it's kind of sad actually. So, ironically enough, we were at your house before we went over to his place, um, and I, I needed to cut some uh, some hinge slots in my wing for this uh, uh, Cavalier, mm -hmm. and I saw sitting on your on your uh, on your shelf. An old, well, I guess not too old, but old old enough to where you know it's electric, but a little a slot or a hinge cutter, mm -hmm. or a, a slot cutter, whatever yeah, you call it. Yeah, great plain slot machine. And um, so I asked if I could use it, you know, mm -hmm. bef because I had never seen it before. I've always cut cut those with uh, uh, an exacto knife. Mm -hmm. And so you know, of course, he said yeah and, and stuff. And before we came back out here, we went to this guy's house. And he had one sitting of there. New and in the I, box. New yeah. in the box. I ended up buying it off of him. So now I have my own. But there's a lot of these tools that, uh, and you know, I think we're going to talk in the next couple of weeks probably about like doing a tool episode. Right. Um, but there's a lot of these tools that really do a great job for what you're wanting to do that are no longer available. Right. I mean, like you can't. You well, said, think about it. <clears throat> so, how many? How many? I mean, you're thinking about it now because you're getting involved in building, right? Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of people doing that now. Like, you know, the, the hobby has been kind of moving away from building your own airplanes for quite a while. You know, ARFs have, have kind of all but, I don't want to say destroyed because that's a pretty strong word, but <clears throat> ARFs have really sort of spelled the demise, if you will, of conventional, you know, kit building. Um, that's why there aren't very many kit manufacturers out there anymore. And the kit manufacturers that are still out there today also have usually an ARF line that they're having made in China, you know? So, <clears throat> so the, the tools that you're discovering now. Yeah. I'm late to the game. Yeah. So they don't, they're not made anymore because there's not a demand for them anymore because people like, you know, like us and, and a lot of, I think our, a lot of our listeners, yeah. Um, we either already have the tools we, we like to use or people aren't, there's no demand for them because, you know, people aren't coming into the hobby the way I came into the hobby by building my own airplane. So yeah, there are some really, really neat tools out there. Um, unfortunately you just can't buy them new anymore unless you find a good deal like today. Yeah. Um, but I think what, what gets me is, you know, that machine is kind of neat because it, it obviously was designed a long time ago. I think he, he still had the receipt in it. He bought it in 99. 1999. Mm -hmm. um, so it has been sitting, and I don't think it's ever been used. No. Uh, there wasn't a speck of dust on it. And mm -hmm. I can now say that after it sat for that long, it's been used because I use it tonight. Mm -hmm. um, Works like champ, too. It oh, my goodness. I tell you what, that is. It, and the nice thing about it is, you know, it's actually sawing. And you brought this up earlier. It's actually sawing it. So it's not spreading that wood out. It's right. you know it's getting it's rid of the wood material, yeah. right? So when you put your right, so when you put your hinges in, it's not spreading that uh, yeah. that leading it or that trailing edge out. Um, but yeah, so the the thing that's kind of neat about it 
it has two blades that counter, I don't want to say rotate because they're not rotating, but counter swipe. You know, it, it's kind of like whatever the, the, yeah, there like you go. Counter shearing action. Yeah. And yeah. then they work back and forth. So it's easy to use mm-hmm. because there's no torque in one direction that's kind of making your hand move. It, it cuts like a, you know, it cuts like a, a hot knife through butter. It, it really does a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I'd never heard of, and you'll have to explain this, that, that I got from him today, um, a wing jig, is that mm-hmm. what it's called? A wing building jig. A wing building jig. So it, it's a really cool uh, old piece of hardware. I mean, yep. I'm, I'm guessing they're not available anymore. No. That's unfortunate. Uh, well, Maybe. I don't think they are. You know, it's been a long time since I've actually searched for one. They might be, I, but I doubt it. Yeah. Um, but it's, what do you think, seven feet wide? Maybe least. something like that. Mm-hmm. And in the center, you can actually raise and lower uh, to do your different uh, angle of dihedral and stuff. And then it has, um, you have to drill holes through each of your, your wing ribs that mm-hmm. you're that you're going to be making, and then you can lay it out on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm doing a terrible job of describing. Do you want to try and... Well, I mean, it's it's so it's manufactured by Adjusto Jig, <clears throat> and it, it's, a, it's just like it says, it's a fixture uh, for building wings, and you can also, with the right brackets, build fuselages with this. And what it does is... You drill some holes using a template in the ribs, um, and then you line these ribs up. You know, you slide them over two steel rods, and these rods are fixed in position on this fixture. And then it allows you to set the ribs in position, get them exactly the way you want them, and then you add the spars, and you can get everything adjusted just right. And then you can go back and go over it with thin CA or yellow glue or whatever you prefer to use. And it's a great way to build a very, very accurate uh, straight wing and it'll build tapered wings, double tapered wings. Um, it'll build anything and you use that template and he described, like I have, I have one, not, not an adjuster jig. I have an old great plains one. Um, that it's not as nice as this one. It doesn't do the cool adjustable dihedral thing in the mm-hmm. center. Um, but however it works, you, you've set the ribs in the template and it fixes them in place and you drill the holes and, However, that works on this one. But yeah, once you have the holes drilled where they need to go in the ribs and you line them up on those rods, there's no building a twist into it or anything like that because it holds them absolutely perfectly aligned. Right. Yeah. And that should make it easier to build a wing, I think. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, Especially if you if you build a lot. Yeah. And I would like to start building more. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 fun. Yeah. Like, I, I really enjoy the, it's almost like therapeutic, just kind of sitting yeah. there and in, enjoying putting something together like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I actually think I have more fun... And it's not like I do it a lot, but I think I've had more fun framing than I have doing like the covering and finishing work and all that. Yeah. Um, there's I've been kind of dragging my feet a little bit on this Cavalier, I think, because it's it's not as uh, fulfilling, if you will, right? To just do the finishing touches and and go fly it as it is to actually frame it up. Because when you're framing it up, it's kind of like art. I mean, to me, it looks really cool yeah um and when they're done right especially like that uh the one you got from him today they're just beautiful yeah i mean really Um, i love i love the look of an airplane in the bones well it's what we call it in the bones with you know when it's just bare wood it's just a bare wooden airframe i love that look yeah i think that's why i like to use transparent uh, monocoat colors too so you can see through that and you can see that internal structure yeah, I like that. I'm still not a huge fan of the look of the transparency, but I think if if 
when you put it that way, I can I think I understand it more. Yeah. Um. Than than before. Right. So it's like I said, it's it's not my favorite thing to look at, but once again, LEDs inside really brings a whole, yeah, whole other thing to it. I'm gonna have to try that because I think I think that would be really cool. Well, well let's tear the covering off this this uh, uh, stick you have over here that you haven't done anything with. I yet. just got it covered months ago. Well, thanks, COVID. I know, but still. And if we hadn't gotten sidetracked today, I may have actually finished that. You probably would have, actually. I mean, it's it's less than three hours of work, probably. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be fun to try and use the that tool. Yeah. Um, and like I said, there's, there's lots of really, really cool uh, tools that were made for builders out there. I mean, that... I mean, you're just you're just scratching the surface with some of these tools. Well, and one of the other things I thought was cool that I that I bought from him today, um, and maybe I should know this, but like, I have a covering iron, mm-hmm. and I, it's I think it's from Hanger Nine or something like that. Mm-hmm. To find the temperature on it, mm-hmm. like you know, it, it has one through five, and mm-hmm. you you have to know the temperatures when you're when you're putting especially the covering. If, yeah, on. especially for ultra coat. Yeah. Yep. And so I would always use a non-contact thermometer. You know, just put it up there and it will tell you what it is. Yep. It gets you close. Um, well, it, it does a pretty good job. But so I, I bought an old covering iron from him and. Uh, you bought a Cadillac of covering irons, buddy. Oh, I, I bought the same one you had. I so know. I knew it had to be good. And especially for him to have it, you figured it was probably <laughs> top of the line, whatever. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's still, you know, it's another one of those things that's no longer available. Yeah. Yeah. They don't make it anymore. Nope. Um, and what what kind is it? I don't remember what you said. Uh, it it's a Coverite, twenty first century. So iron. that's mm-hmm. my new iron. So yeah. yay! Uh, yeah. And then I, I I got off him a little one of those uh, what the trim iron mm-hmm. kind of thing. The things. trim seal tool. Trim seal tool. Yep. But he had in there a thermometer that the, I the Coverite thermometer. Oh, so that's actually from. Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't realize mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It it it's a spring. Yeah. And you just set it right on top of that, and then the spring moves. You know, obviously based on the heat, and then it mm-hmm. tells you with an analog gauge on the top what. And I, I know that's probably how a lot of these old like thermometer or thermostats worked and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. But to see it out in the in the raw, it's neat. Open and just set it on there, and then you see the spring contract and go to the actual thermometer or the temperature, and it's very accurate. Yeah. I mean, like setting. I, I think I had it set at. Uh, I think it expands, at, right? Oh, I don't know. It, it might, contracts when it cools. Is, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Well, because when you're sitting it down, I, okay, yeah, that's true. I guess when you have it sitting on there, you can't actually see the the piece move, but you see the yeah, the, the dial needle. move, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the needle the move. Yeah. Um, but it, what's neat though is I I set it for that covering iron. I set it for 300 degrees, and it was right at 300 degrees with that thermometer. Oh, so it's like you know that's, that's cool. right on. Yeah. Whereas this Hanger Nine one that I bought what eight years ago, whatever it was. One, two, three, four, five. So yeah. who knows what you're right. actually setting it to? Yeah. So it's it's nice now to have one that you can actually pick the temperature and you know it's. I tell you what you it's on. what you could do, <clears throat> um, if you know what what temperatures you're trying to to you know to pinpoint or to dial in. Mm-hmm. What I did on on mine, like I I don't even look at the, you know on the on the iron itself the the rheostat you can turn it to whatever temperature you want. Right. Yeah. Like I don't even look at the numbers anymore because I have taken a sharpie, and I've highlighted or drawn a line on that scale, of of key temperatures, if you will. So, I, like I have three lines on mine. Uh, the first line is the temperature at which 
ultra coat becomes sticky. Mm-hmm. And then the second line is the temperature at which ultra coat begins shrinking. And then the third line is the max temperature that ultra coat stops like shrinking, I guess, or maximum shrink. Yeah. I guess I have four lines. And then I have my, <laughs> my Monaco line, <laughs> which is maxed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good idea. I mean, it's easier, I guess, than trying to remember the temperatures, but yeah. it, it's it's nice having something though that actually tells right. you what the temperature is because when you're when you're looking and I'm I'm not familiar with this, you know, as much as you are because I don't I don't know the differences in monocoat and and the other ones you were talking about the coverings temperature wise right. especially, um, but it's it's nice to have the actual temperature because when you're looking at the directions on there, right. it the, tells you where exactly to set. Yep. So instead yep. of like I said, one through five. It's nice to have an actual thermometer on it. Yep. Or not thermometer, but an actual setting to where you can go to a, a temperature. Like I said, the Cadillac of uh, covering irons right there, buddy. Nice. I'm glad I got one. Yeah. yeah. Kind of getting excited. Mm-hmm. So need to do a little bit more. Uh, I wish I had bought like several of those back when they were still available because, you know, they are they do have a, a small microprocessor in them to help maintain that temperature, you know. Yeah. Um, and those do go bad. So, yeah. So I, I noticed that one, too, when I was using it today. That uh, like the the Hangar Nine one I have, there's a big I shouldn't say big a decent size fluctuation in temperatures when it's on because you know you can you can spin that dial and you can hear when it turns on and off when the thermostat turns on and off and you can listen to it when it's on and then it turns off and it's off for quite a while mm-hmm. then it's on for quite a while and when you're looking at the one the the cover right one mm-hmm. I mean it's like constantly just like on and off, on and off, on and off. Oh, so with the LED. Yeah, with the, the LED, mm-hmm. which, which you said that's when it's actually heating. Right. Um, so it, it has a much shorter duty cycle, yeah. so you're not going to have that huge amount of uh, the gap between on and off, so you're not going to, you know, yeah. do the 20 Yeah, degrees your temperature fluctuations yeah. will, you know, instead of being potentially 20 degrees, maybe they're only a couple of degrees. Yeah. Yeah, which makes a difference, especially with UltraCode, which is, I'm not a big fan of UltraCode. Oh. like their colors and stuff, but seems to me like just from my experience, it seems like ultra coat sags in the sun more than anything else I've ever used. Is that what, what do we put on the telemaster? Oh, uh, that's Monaco. That looks terrible in the sun. Well, I mean, it's black, number one. So black absorbs heat. True. It's soft. It softens but even up the, the Even adhesive. the red did it though. Yeah, it did. Um, and that could be just technique. You know, oh, little, like I, I, like I effed practice. it up. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, there's, you know, there's ways you can get it on there so that they won't sag like that. Um, and the product I use, Balsarite, also made by Coverite, who no longer in business. Oh, um, so I still have a small of stash that. of that. But it was something you you brushed on the airframe, you let it dry, and give it a quick light sanding, and then it it helped to stick the covering to the airframe. The biggest problem with with sagging, honestly, is the covering is not stuck to the wood because either they didn't, you know, didn't um, press the covering down into the wood when it was hot, you know what I'm saying, when you're ironing it on. Yeah. Or the wood was like not properly cleaned first, so it's it's sticking to the dust and then it pulls the dust away from the airframe and now you got... Well, I could have done that. That's quite possible. Who knows? It could be any number of things. Yeah. Or it could be bad Monaco. Remember that Monaco that's on that airplane came from the same <laughs> house that the airplane itself came from. So that covering may just be, you know, maybe the adhesive on the covering wasn't as good as it 
could have been, been or really so, old and went bad over time but too. New know. for new, a new roll of monocoat and a new mole or new roll of ultra coat. You cover an airframe with both. I should rephrase that. If I cover an airframe <laughs> with both of those, uh-huh. I guarantee you the one that's going to look better after I've applied it is going to be the monocoat. Now, probably there's somebody out there that's really good with ultra coat and maybe they can give me some hints. Go ahead yeah. and drop us a line. Sure. <laughs> but I have yet to get ultra coat to, I mean, it looks beautiful when you're done. As long as you leave it in the house and don't ever put it in the sun, <laughs> it looks great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've just not had as good luck with ultra coat as I have with monocoat, which by the way, um, that little airplane that I've been working on downstairs will be ready for covering hopefully tomorrow. So I'll try my cheapo coat. Oh we'll yeah. I forgot you ordered some of that from Hobby King. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm excited to try it because it's a lot cheaper than Monocoat. Yeah. That that'll be interesting. Yeah. It's what I think he said it was eleven or twelve bucks for a five meter roll. Yeah. yeah. That's um that's so almost free. Rob <laughs> at Balsa Workbench, uh, he uses it and he uh he says he loves it. So we'll see. Okay. I'll I'll be interested to hear. Yeah. So maybe we can talk about that next week a little bit if uh, if you get that done and covered yeah. and we'll, we'll see yeah. what you're thinking about. So cool. I definitely, if you like that, I definitely think it's uh, it's probably closer in my future for recovering the yak and getting that back in the air. Yeah, because you're looking at a lot of covering for that project. Yeah, that's, even at 15 foot rolls, it's probably going to be seven or eight rolls, you think? Yeah, at least. Yeah, that's a, that's a big airplane, so. Yeah. And, and factor that, in some extra because you're not gonna you're not gonna cover it all in one color. Correct. Yeah. So and there'll be some waste. I think it's a little easier <laughs> for me to to stomach spending what hundred bucks on covering as it is to spend three hundred, two hundred, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yep. So we'll we'll see. Yep. As long as it works well, you know. Yeah. I don't want to have to do it now and well, then everything I've read, it. you know, online and the and the groups and guys I've talked to, they uh, they say it's it's great stuff. So we'll see. Nice. I don't want to have to do it now and then do it again yeah. later. So yeah. we'll see. Although for me personally, covering is kind of therapeutic too. Oh, good. I, I don't mind covering. You can do my this. own airplanes. You, oh. <laughs> no, I'm going to rope you in to help me with this one. I'll help. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, I'm not used to cutting covering for big things like that. So it'll be good to get some ideas on how to do it. Okay. You know, yep. it's always good to have an old friend that knows what they're doing. Old, huh? <laughs> okay. All right. So you know something that's a little bit easier to cover than a big yak? What? Something what? that takes no covering at all. <laughs> oh, are you talking about the the sandpiper? Yeah, my design airplane. Yeah, that we could talk about today? that a little bit. I finally got to fly one today <laughs> after a, after a somewhat uh, scary start. <laughs> um, so it's funny because, um, you know, we we did a whole 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 episode on pre-flight checks. Yeah. And um, what, what did you do, Tom? You know what? I'll take this one um, <laughs> because it was all me. It was all my fault. Uh, so if you're not, if anyone listening is not familiar, Ron has designed a, uh, a, a flat, foamy electric. Yeah, it's, like a profile. Yeah, it actually flies really, really good. I, I'm, I'm quite pleased with how it flies. <laughs> But yeah. we'll start, yeah. So I built one today. I brought the, you know, Ron was nice enough to print, uh, print me some plans. And I laid them out on the, my piece of Dollar Tree, uh, $1 
foam board. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut out all the parts and assembled the airframe. And it's actually a cool looking airplane. Um, is there a picture of it on the website? No, I haven't posted anything yet because I'm not sure how we're going to finish it. Okay. Right. I mean, like there's, I think well, anyway, after yeah. talking to you, I think we're going to make it a little bit bigger and making, or maybe make it out of two sheets. Yeah. So I it's mean, a little it's bit more stable. Ooh, yeah, I know. I know. But $2. you're doubling the cost. But yeah, but still. <laughs> um, so no, we're not finished with the okay. design kind of thing. On At any rate. Um, so prototype number four, four of, oh no, sorry. it's a version, version two, two airplane number, number four. four right? Yeah. So this is my first experience with the sandpiper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I built it today, installed my radio and, uh, was really, really jazzed and excited because, <laughs> um, these things are a lot of fun to just throw out in the backyard and fly them around. Yeah. Um, so got the radio installed Fired up the speed controller and uh, it did not play any songs, <laughs> tunes at all. Except I wanted to slap you the whole time you were talking about it because you kept calling it a speedo. It's like, okay, oh, yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, speed controller, speed weirdo. Controller. Oh, I think I may have said something I, on the last. Yeah, I think uh, you did. Yeah. yeah, which that's weird, but okay, it's weird. At any rate, um, didn't have to do any weird programming or deprogramming, so it didn't play me any weird songs. Um, so I was all excited, and I was really excited to get out there and fly this thing because the battery was charged and it was ready to go. <laughs> so I did a, I did a quick pre-flight. Actually, it wasn't really even a pre-flight; it was a programming, right? Because it's an yeah. Elevon, right? So we have right. to, we have, you know, it's a different set of mixing. It's not a standard airplane setup on in the radio. Correct. Um, so I selected the right profile and the right, you know, Elevon mags and just assumed kind of, I think, that everything was going the right directions. When I pulled back on the stick, <laughs> both Elevons went up. I'm like, oh, great, it's Perfect. golden. And then I moved the stick left and right a couple times, and they moved you know, left and right like they're supposed to. I was like, yeah, cool, let's go. So I gathered the stuff out, and you followed me outside and uh, plugged the battery in and you know, gave it a quick little check to make sure the stuff was moving, and I tossed it in the air, and off it went. And <laughs> yeah, the ailerons were backwards. Uh huh. I seem to have an issue with backwards ailerons for some reason. Um, so yeah, the thing. So this thing rolls <laughs> like, I mean, at full rate. Which that's something we'll have to dial in. Yeah. Because it does not need that much aileron, and it doesn't really look like that much. But I have never. It, it just becomes a blur. Yeah. Like when when you move <laughs> the aileron does. stick full deflection. Yeah. I mean it just like it's like a blur. It looks like a blender. I yeah. Mean, no clue what way is up and down. So for the first flight and backwards ailerons, <laughs> you can imagine what happened. Yeah. You know, gave it a toss, advanced the throttle, went to turn right or I probably had to turn right because it always wants to go left on takeoff or on the launch. Um, and of course, when I gave it the old right aileron, what did it do? It became a blur spinning to the left. <laughs> and of course, that freaked me out. So I'm like, oh, okay, the ailerons are back. Or like I knew as soon as I moved the stick and it started rolling the opposite direction, I knew in my head that it was backwards. Oh. But there was so little time and the thing was rolling so fast, it was hard to tell which end was up. Yeah. So by the time I realized all that was going on, I mean, we're talking like, what was it, two seconds maybe from the time it left my hand? Uh, I don't think it was that long. I mean, it was fast. It was less than 20 feet. <laughs> it was it was long enough for me to realize that the ailerons were backwards and I better try to, and then by that time it was already, you know, it was already too late and 
So what, I mean, yeah, we discovered a weakness in the air or I discovered a weakness in the airframe. Yeah. Um, and we'll fix that. Yeah. We'll, which we'll... I did. I put a couple of patches on it and <laughs> I did. And we went out and flew it two more times after that. And the thing flies great. It's funny though, because that is the fourth time that design, you know, has been flown and I have never seen it actually fly through the air without a crushed nose. <laughs> a crumpled nose. You know, so who knows what it I flies promise. like. You you did. You printed me another set of uh, plans. I have another sheet of foam. I'm mm-hmm. going to make a pretty one and make sure I get the pre-flight correct <laughs> on this next one, which it should be because I'm just going to take everything off of that one. And actually, yeah. I'm going to fly that one for a while. Are you really? I am. I, oh. That thing flies great. Well, so well, the new one that's not smashed. Well, yeah, but I mean, this one's proven now. True. It's but, a veteran. Well, I don't know. Right? I'm not convinced that's not going to fold in half when you pull the the. the I don't know. I the elevators back yanked, really hard. I yanked on it pretty hard this evening. It didn't. I mean, it didn't even put a crease in the paper. That that turns on a dime. It does. <laughs> it's so cool. Uh, but see, you have to have uh, those throws then. So if you want to, you're not going to be able to get rid of your roll rate if if you get rid of those throws. So. Well, that's true. I don't know. We'll see. It's just something not for, us. for beginners. No, we'll just no, 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 we'll no, just no. caveat that right away. When when this thing finally is is done, yeah, we'll throw the plans online. People can have it. I don't care. It's, yeah. They can we'll build just, it and just see what they yeah, think. The sandpiper, not yep. for beginners. No, but it's fun. <laughs> it's, it's a blast. It re- and you say your version was faster than mine, and mine I feel like moves out pretty good for what it is. Yeah, you know, basically a dollar's worth of flat foam, no airfoil shapes no. whatsoever. Yep. And the thing's like, in my opinion, is a rocket. Yeah. It, yours looked slow compared to the one that I, I really? flew last. And it does great slow, too. It does. Yeah. It slows down nicely. Yeah. But uh, it makes you giggle. It did. I mean, it does. The just... first time, <laughs> the first time <laughs> I did a full-on controlled yeah. roll in the direction I wanted it to go, and when it just became a blur, I was, it was like <laughs> immediate giggling. <laughs> yeah. You have to do so, that at altitude, though, because it's easy to lose direction. Or, oh, I, I can never tell where it's ended up until it yeah, starts moving. Yeah. So And, like, I don't even think it would matter if the bottom was, like, black and the top was white or the bottom was yellow and the yeah. top was... It wouldn't matter because it, it would, would just, just be turn one color. green <laughs> or whatever those two colors combined yeah. gray or and whatever. You know, there's nothing special about it. It is just a piece of foam that's cut into a, a certain shape, but it's... Uh, it's a neat shape. I like the shape. Well, thank you. But it's... You know, it's it's great to build out of balsa and all that kind of stuff, but it's also fun to have something that is, I mean, so inexpensive. Yeah. Like, what I like about <clears throat> this is, and I didn't realize, I, I wanted to get another uh, motor and speed controller, and we, we looked online and stuff, and you decided to go order one from Hobby King. I did. I found one on uh, on Amazon. Oh, this is amazing. I know. So it was two propellers, a motor speed controller, two servos, and the prop adapter. Mm-hmm. So all the electronics minus a battery, minus the radio, yep. 20 bucks. I know, that's that, that just slays me. Right. Like to for Let's say you mess up the first airframe, cut it wrong, or whatever. So let's just say you got $2 worth of foam, $20 worth of electronics. You throw a, a, a fairly inexpensive Spectrum Park Flyer receiver in there for 30 bucks, and you've already got a DX7 or a DX4 or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a really, really cheap entertainment. I mean, how much how much fun did I have flying that thing today? 
You, yeah, yeah, I, did. I think you enjoyed it. I mean, that. I giggled quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not very manly, but you did. No, but it was funny. <laughs> but yeah, so I think there's a, a, a place for nice, cheap airplanes, too. I agree. So I mean, it, I'm not saying that I dislike at all going out to the field with my car full of nitro planes. That is extremely satisfying to me. But once in a while, something like this to go out there and get your giggle on. I mean. See, it's funny because that's where we're the opposite. Once in a while to get your giggle on going out to the field with a nitro plane is okay. Yeah. But to me, I'm just, I don't know. No. But I do find it funny. You're coming more electric than I am going to nitro. Well, there, yeah. So in this in this recent purchase that I did, um, nearly all of it is electric. Yeah, um, uh, nearly a good I percentage. Say. But the the big planes, I mean, the ones well, that right. count are gas. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, come on, the ones that count are the ones that are. But let's 50 look at it this CC. way: the ones that I'm going to fly the most are probably the electric ones. To oh, be yeah. honest. Well, because it's so easy it to is. charge a battery. Yeah. And I don't deny that. I don't, I've never, I've never denied that electric is, you know, less convenient or less fun or any of that. It is. I mean, but I still predominantly enjoy my nitro powered stuff and gas, gas too. The one thing I will give you, you will never get with an electric plane that you get with a nitro plane, the smell. Mm. Yeah. I love that sound. sound. Yeah. Mm. The sound's good too, but the smell (laughs) is better. But to I a guy like, like me who likes to tinker, there's like once you have an electric plane set up, there's nothing to tinker with. You just charge and fly and charge and fly and charge and fly. And Which what you're describing is perfect. I understand. I, I understand. love that. But for me, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not what makes me tick. I like yeah. tinkering. So and that's nitro what, gives me a lot of opportunity to do that. That's what got me out of the nitro car stuff is because, I mean, tuning on that. Cost is, is what exact. got me out of that. Well, Oof. I never did the racing and stuff that you did. Yeah. You know, I, you, I mean, you competed in Las Vegas and stuff, didn't you? With that? I, yeah, I did. So you were a lot farther California, into it than I was. Wisconsin. <laughs> a lot of places. Maybe that's a, another episode. Um, no, but, this is about airplanes, not cars. Oh, that's true. But still, would you say before it's my podcast? We can do it. That's want. true. It absolutely is. No, I mean, we, you're right. We don't have to do that. But, uh, you know, the, the, the nitro cars, uh, the tuning on it is so exact. Where I and I've noticed, like with tuning a nitro airplane, it's not as exact as a nitro car is. Like a nitro car, a sixteenth of a turn, oh yeah, is going to make the difference between it running well and you having a boring time with it because you can't keep it from bogging down. Yeah. Whereas the airplane, you're not worried about that instant throttle response that you are in a car. So I'm not as uh, I don't want to say anti, but I'm not as uh, turned off, I guess, by the nitro in this because I can handle it. You know, mm-hmm. I I don't like to tinker every time I go out. And it gets easier. Like the more the more you do it, the more you'll develop like an like an ear for it. Like yeah. you'll be able to tell by the sound it's making whether it's rich or lean or how it's behaving. You know, at idle, or if you let it idle a little ways and then you advance the throttle and it acts a certain way. You'll you'll develop that sort of you know that intuition, if you will. Yeah, um, I never got that. Yeah, you'll get it if you if, stick well, with it. I don't know. We'll see. I might. With the airplane stuff, I might. I mean, car stuff, yeah. like I said. My kid's getting back into the RC car stuff with nitro, and oh, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, I don't like that either. Oh, you're going <laughs> to get drawn back in? No. Oh, okay. No. I didn't like messing with it the other day. We were out there trying to get that thing running. 
Well, yeah, I think he's got to buy a new motor for it, but whatever. Yeah, That's pretty low on compression. His money. He can do what he wants with it. Right. Um, or he can do what he wants with it. Anyway, um, well, I, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to cover? No, that's, uh, that's, I think that's all I got. Okay. Well then everybody, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. Good night. Good night. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.